all that. We teach in this series within our students. And I played this song right here uh, for our anthem during this series. Stop it. I don't know what that move was, uh, but it was white boyness. Um, so that was our anthem. I said, take out the word young and put in Christians, and we are Christians, and we should burn brighter than the sun. That should be our anthem as Christians. I picked that song because David was only 15 years old when he was anointed king in chapter 16. But see, very next chapter in chapter 17 shows up David and Goliath. This is where he meets Goliath. The thing about David and Goliath is, number one, they remind us that he's young. Number two, he obeyed and he got up early. I made mention about getting up early. This morning, I set my alarm for 6 and 7. I got up at 7.30. I'm still working on me. If you were here last week, you know that I got like 15 alarms, and each of them tell me how much I suck as a human being for me to get up, and I never get up. So I got up this morning at 7.30. I kind of rolled out of bed. I was like, oh, I'm late. So... But David got up early. He went. He decided he was going to fight. He said, it was my time to do it my way for my God. And then he comes to the battlefield. And this is where we pick up the story with David and Goliath. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, (laughs) verses 40 through 51. I don't have that many verses this time like I did last time, so I will read slower. Maybe, maybe not. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones, from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and then, excuse me, and the man who bore the shield went before him and when the Philistines looked around, everybody say looked about and saw David, he was disdained for he was only a youth, redheaded and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, I, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear. Come with me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you had to fight. David is a beast. Probably would not say that to a nine-foot-two giant. This day the Lord will deliver uh, deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of Philistines to their birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So the stone sank into the forehead, and he fell on the fa- to his face to the earth. So David prevailed against the Philistine and with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And the Philistines saw that their champion, everybody say champion, 
was dead and they fled. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We glorify you. I ask you, Father, to remove all of me. Let your words be spoken. Again, bless Pastor Mark and bless this amazing, beautiful congregation this morning. In your precious name. And everybody said? And everybody said? Amen. So we have the battlefield going on. And Goliath is standing there, nine foot two. Here comes little 15-year-old David. He's walking up to battle. And again, this is what I imagined with David was picking his stones and getting ready. Can I get that song? Here we go. This is, this is David walking up to battle against Goliath. And this is what I hear. I see David. I see David coming down. He's walking through the Philistine. He's walking through the army of Israel. They're kind of parting ways. He's got a little bit of a, a pimp walk to him. He's like, yeah, I got you. Y'all just chickens. I got this. Let's go. Let's go. And then, and then the Philistine looks at him and says, come to me, bro. Am I a dog? Am I a dog? He's like, yeah, you're a dog. Bring it, homie. See, dogs back in those days, that was just my imagination running wild. See, dogs back in those days were not as loved as dogs are now. They were actually considered the lowest form of animals back in those days. And so when Goliath says, am I a dog, he's referring to himself as being like this weak, nobody, worthless person. I know we have some children in the room, but it also means to be a male homosexual prostitute. Goliath was putting himself at the lowest of the lows. I am a dog. Are you going to bring this guy to me to fight me? Do you think I'm that low? You really going to think that I'm not capable enough to beat in this little kid? Because I can. I can beat this little kid. This is not a problem at all. Am I a dog? And then he says the word, the word the Bible says disdain, which means worthless. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt worthless? Like you ever felt like, so all you guys are amazing. I have felt worthless a lot. Matter of fact, how about this? How about the looks of people? How about the look? Did the looks of people make you feel worthless? Yeah? Anybody? Do you guys, I, can, I, can I come hang out with you for a while? I'm going to learn some things. I have like, I, I had this person last week, and if you guys were here last week, you saw my outfit. Uh, and I had this person look at me and go, and stared at me like that for like five minutes. And I was like, what? Where did that? What's wrong with you? Sometimes the look of people alone makes us feel worthless. See, I have walked into an express store or a high dollar store when I go into shops sometimes, and I, I may have on a pair of basketball shorts and a t-shirt, and, and I walk in, and then the sale associates of those stores automatically know if you're not dressed to the tens when you go in there, they're really not going to pay you much attention at all. So I've gone in basketball shorts and a t-shirt, and they're like, do, do, do you want help? And I've like had all attention of going in and buying clothes that day, but the way they look at me, I turn around and walk right out of the, out of the store. But isn't that true? This is an add-on. Isn't it true the same way in the church? 
We have people that come in here that don't fit our molds of what Christianity should look like or they don't dress the way that we think they should dress or they don't look the way we think they should look. And they come in the church and as a congregation, we kind of turn our nose to them and say, you're no good. See, that's what Goliath was doing to David. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a short guy. I'm like 5'9". On a good day, I'm 5'11". And, and I'm 5'9", 5'11". And so... I might have, all my friends are pretty much taller than I am. So like back in the day, what they would do is, is I would walk up and talk to them and they'd be like, well, I don't see him. I don't see him. Where's Tim's here? I hear his voice, but I don't see him at all. And I'm like, dude, seriously, I'm right here. I don't, I don't see him. That's what David, that's what Goliath is doing to David. Goliath is looking around saying, hey, where, where's that little boy at? I, I don't see him. He's not good enough to come into battle with me. He's worthless. He's no good. He's just, I don't like him. They're thinking that I'm a dog. They're thinking that I'm the lowest of the lows, but in all reality, David's the lowest of the lows. I don't see David at all. Where is David? And then he begins to talk as trash. You guys ever known people to talk trash? But the funny thing is, half of those people that talk trash can't back it up. So, like, you, like if you want to clap for that, you can. I always talk trash, and I back it up every time. So, so like, you pick players and play in, like, in, in high school or middle school. You pick, you know, you're a captain. you got to pick players. And you always have that one kid that is a dork that really doesn't fit in, kind of like David. David was the outcast of the family. He stayed outside by himself. By him. He's no one really wanted to pick him. And David came in. He, you know, he's like, I, I, I could play ball. You know, you got that dorky kid. I could play ball, man. I could dunk. You're like, dude, you're 4'3". You can't dunk. I could dunk. I could shoot. I got this, man. I, got, I could do it. But, you know, he really, he really just can't back it up. And then you got... You ever seen that commercial, with the, the, the Volkswagen commercial, with the dad throwing the ball to his son? So he, he, he takes the ball, and he's like, son, you just, just copy me. I got it. You just follow my lead. I got it. Just, just do like I do. And the son's, cop- the guy's, the son's copying him. He's throwing it like a little girl. Some girls can't throw the ball, so that was not a sexist comment. I do apologize if you play softball. <laughs> but he throws it. You have those guys that do that. See, Goliath was just talking trash. But David was spitting truth. David came out and was like, I'm going to kill you, not by my strength, but by the Lord of hosts, God. So you have those one that talk trash and they can, buy, they can back it up. Kind of like the biracial angel, Derek Jeter. No laughter? Nothing? I'm a Yankees fan. So Derek Jeter can talk trash. He can go out. That joke failed. He can go out. And he can play ball regardless. Like Michael, Michael Jordan can go out. 50-something years old can still dunk. There we go. I got some claps on that one. He can still dunk the ball. He can still cross up anybody. I'm pretty sure he can beat LeBron. I'm, I'm, I'm dead set on that. He can beat LeBron. See, that's people that can, that can talk trash and back it up. See, David was coming out and he was, he was spitting truth. See, I'm not going to do it by my own strength. Because, see, David wasn't normal. And neither are you. Nor do you serve a normal God. See, David knew that if he wore Saul's armor, that he wasn't going to win because it wasn't him. See, Saul, David knew that if he wore Saul's armor, that he would not be able to speak to Goliath with boldness. Have you ever tried to be somebody that you're not? You know, you, you see something, you want to imitate it, you want to be just like it, you want to, you want to look like them, you want to act like them, you want to talk like them, you want to be just like who they are. 
And see, David knew that if he would allow Saul to create his identity by wearing his armor, that he would fail tremendously. He knew he would go out into battle, and he wouldn't be able to look at Goliath and say, I'm going to kill you, because he would be too worried about trying to fix his armor because it was too big. But how many times as Christians do we allow for someone else to put an identity on us, but we then we're too afraid to go and kill our Goliath? I know it's tough. I know this is a deep message. I know this is, this is, this is a holiday weekend and, and all that. I understand that. But how many times do we allow other people to dictate the outcome of a situation in our lives? How many times do we let someone else say, well, Tim, you should really, you should really put on this and wear that and say it like this, and then you, you'll get a greater response. You should do this. See, I could have let that look last Sunday deter me from wearing this amazing outfit this morning. I couldn't find my glasses this morning. I would have my power shades on, but I couldn't find my glasses. I didn't let his look deter me from being who I am. See, God has, has a custom tailor calling and anointing on your life that is tailored to who you are. You're not going to be Tim Huggins. You're not going to be Pastor Mark. You're not going to be Pastor G. You're not going to be Pastor Matt B. You're not going to be them. You're going to be who you are in God. Because look, some of you are not going to be as funny as I am, and that's okay. We still love you. Sometimes I'm not funny. You just laugh to make me feel good standing up here. Really? Really? But God has a custom calling on your life to be who you are. See, I battle with that. I battle with being who I am. I battle with trying to say, okay, do I need to be this, 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 and this, and this? See, there was one time after watching the movie Sweet Home Alabama, and I cried. And um, I looked at my wife and said, I'm going to be a cowboy. And I called my cousin who, who, uh, who had cowboy boots and those kind of things. Hey, I'm going to be a cowboy. He just laughed on the phone. And I said all that to say this is because yesterday we went to work at House of Hope uh, with Pastor Matt B and some of the people from the church. And I hate physical labor. And cowboys do physical labor and I wouldn't make it in a day doing physical labor. I had battled with trying to figure out who I am personally and then also in Christ. Because see, sometimes I'm not the most eloquent Sometimes I make jokes when I shouldn't make jokes. Sometimes I have a disease of the mouth where I just say immediately what I'm thinking and don't think about what I'm saying. And then I feel like a, a total idiot after I say it. I have said some things like this where I have looked at somebody and said, well, if it was any other scenario, I really wouldn't be your friend. Why would I say that? And why are y'all clapping? Should never said anything like that. I struggle with trying to find out who I am. Trying to figure out what I should do, what I should say, how I should dress. Because see, if you haven't looked around, I'm normally the only man who dresses like this in this entire building. And I'm okay with that. And the reason why I say that is because God has given you a certain thing that you're supposed to do. But you allow other people's looks, concerns, comments, questions to concern or to dictate what you do in your Christianity. See, David didn't let that happen. See, David walked through an army of Israel, uh, the, uh, the army of Israel, knowing that he was getting talked about, know that he was getting made fun of. But see, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a peculiar people, which means we're uncommon. 
We're strange. We're odd. I fit all of those. I know that. We're all odd, strange, uncommon. You say, Pastor Tim, why would God call us those things? And the reason why he would call us those things is because normal people wouldn't get up and fight a giant. See, the normal army wouldn't get up and fight the giant, but someone who believed in God got up and said, I'm going to fight the giant because he was odd, strange, uncommon. Why do we allow other people to dictate what we do? Why do we allow them to put on armor, put their armor on us and say, this, you have to fit this mold. This is the type of Christian you have to be. If you don't speak in, new, if you don't speak in King James, you're not holier. If you don't pray for an hour and a half a day and read your Bible for 45 minutes a day, you're not holy. Why do we allow that? And then we come to church and we sit back and we're like, well, that person said I didn't do it right, so I'm not going to do anything. That person said, I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't do it right. And the whole time, Goliath is beating you the entire time. See, David spoke truth. He came back out of and said, I'm going to kill you, not by sword and spear, but by God, I'm going to kill you. David had audacity. David had audacity. Audacity means bold. It also means to take off the normal restraints. When are we going to take off the normal restraints of what Christianity has always been? I know we're in the Bible Belt, and your grandma taught you something, and your mama taught you something, and your great-grandma taught you something, and they taught you something, they taught you something, they taught you something. But when are we going to figure out who Christ is in us and live with audacity? See, Stephen Furtick says it this way, the pastor of Elevation. He says that if we dare not to believe God for the impossible, then we're sleeping through the best years of our Christian life. How often do we come to church and we just sit there and someone starts clapping and you go, oh yeah, I'm supposed to clap. Other, other, raise, other, raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand. Or God said, go this, 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 and this. And you're saying, no, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to take off the seatbelt and allow him to work in me. I'm not going to take off the seatbelt and do what he's called me to do. I'm not going to take off the restraints and get down and fight the giant. The question I have to ask you this morning in all reality is, is see, it would have been horrible for allow David to let bad experiences, past disappointments, to control what he would have going on next and not allow God to use him. But how often as Christians do we allow past experiences, bad situations to sit us back and not want to go fight our giant? I know it's good. I wrote it. I made that joke last week and I'll make it again. Because too many times we come to church in a zombie state and we sit there and we think about, oh me, oh my. And we don't move to the next level because someone told us that we couldn't. Or someone said you can't. Someone said you're not worthy enough. Someone said you're worthless. Someone said that you don't do this right. You don't do that right. You have this problem in your life. You have that problem in your life. See, if you go back and read earlier in 1 Samuel where it says that his brother went at him and saying, you just came here to see a fight. You just came here to see blood and gore. I know your heart. Go home and take care of your sheep. Many of us would have turned around and said, okay, older brother, I'm going to go take care of my sheep. Because we're not, we're not strong in who we are in Christ to, bat, to fight the giant that's in front of us. 
See, last week I told you with the stones that it could be fear and worthlessness and alone and all these kind of things. This week I want you to look at the stones in, in David's pouch as being something of joy, a stone of overcoming, a stone of feeling worth, you're worthy, a stone of saying you can, a stone of saying yes you can, a stone saying you've got this, a stone saying you've got support, a stone saying you don't have to sleep through the best years of your Christian life, I've got you, a stone that says if you just stand up and fight the giant, I'm going to be with you. If you just stand up and say I'm going to have the audacity to be bold and not let anyone else create my identity, I'm going to pull that stone out and kill the giant. Because see, most people that tell you what you should do have never fought a giant before in their life. And you allow other people's past experiences to ruin your past experiences to the point to where you won't stand up and fight anymore. When are we going to have the audacity to stand up and say, we've got this? Why do we sleep through the best years of our Christian life? See, some people say when you're a teenager, that's the best years of your life. Some people say when you're in your 20s, that's the best years of your life. Some people say when you're married, that's the best years of your life. Some people say when you have children, that's the best years of your life. I disagree with that last one because money's out of my bank account and screaming children and can't go to restaurants, can't enjoy a meal, can't go to a movie, can't go away for a day. I'm, my wife's going back to work next week and I'm scared to be by myself on Saturday with two children. But some of we say the best years of our lives. But why isn't our Christian life the best years of our life? See, what you don't understand is this. As some of you read a newspaper, is Fables ranked 64th or even higher in crime in the whole United States of America per capita. Number one is Detroit, Flint, Michigan area. We're 64th. We're, we're, we're 63 off of Detroit. We also have been voted 10 in the top 10 in the worst place to live in Fayetteville. I mean, wait, wait, wait. The worst place to live in America is Fayetteville. I said that backwards. We've been voted the top 10, the worst place to live in America. But yet, we come to church week in, week out, and we sit here in a chair, and we just say, oh me, oh my, I don't want to kill a giant because I can do better things after I kill this giant. Do you think David would have came into Fable and saw all the statistics and said, hey, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to sit back and take care of my sheep. I'm going to stay in the fields by myself. I'm going to let Fable just go ahead and hit a, hit a downfall and just, it is what it is. No, David would stand up and fight for Fable. I said all that to say this is we come to church and we sit here in a slumber and a zombie-type attitude and we listen to Pastor Mark preach and you listen to me preach every once in a while and you hear Pastor G come up here and lead worship and you sit there and you just, you're like, come on, it's, uh, well, we got 32 minutes and 9 seconds left. He needs to be done 15 minutes early so I can get home, start the grill, and be on the couch. Football starting next week. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the second service. We're sleeping through the best years of our Christian life. See, David was bold enough in his audacity to begin to ask God for the impossible. When are we going to look at God and say, give me the impossible? 
The situation seems to be impossible. The situation seems where I can't overcome. This situation seems like I can't figure my way out of it. How many of you guys have been in a situation where you look all different ways, you're like, I don't know what is happening. I'm going to lose it. This is it. I am done. This is it. I've slept through the best years of my Christian life. See, what y'all don't know, most of y'all don't know about me is I was a youth pastor in Wilmington for six months. And then I was fired. Or really let go, which is pretty much the same thing. (laughs) And it wasn't because of lack of success. And I know that's a cocky statement. But it wasn't because of lack of success. We grew a children's ministry from 5 to 75 in six months. We grew a youth ministry from 5 to 25 in six months. And I only had high school. I didn't have junior high either. It wasn't because of the success rate. It was because I wanted to be everybody else. See, I saw youth pastors on TV. I saw youth pastors at conferences. I said, well, if I dress this way, I say this thing. If I act this way, then I'm cool, and I will have immediate growth. I'm going to have five different locations with 5,000 students, and we're going to rock this thing out in Wilmington, and I'm going to be at every single conference, and I'm going to be speaking on every single stage, and this is who I'm going to be. And I failed because I was living in someone else's identity. I was sleeping through the best years of my Christianity. Then I came here. When I left Wilmington, I was done with ministry. I didn't want to do it no more. Didn't want to have anything to do with ministry. Didn't want to get a microphone in my hand. I didn't want to speak. If I went to church anywhere, it was going to be once every in a blue moon, and I was going to sit in the back row, and I was going to raise my hands every once in a while and say amen, and then go home and have pizza and watch movies. That's what I wanted to do. I slept in. I didn't, do it. I didn't go to church for almost a year. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with it. Nothing to do with church. My wife texted me and said, hey, I saw a billboard for a church called Your Epicenter. Can you look it up and see if you'll be interested in going? I said, absolutely, I'll check it out. So I checked it out on my phone. I said, hey, seems like a cool place. We'll go check it out. Let's go. So we went on a Sunday morning. I met Pastor Mark in the hallway. I've been a licensed minister since I've been 18 years old. And Pastor Mark met me in the hallway. And I looked at him and said, I'm a licensed minister. My wife elbowed me immediately in the chest and said, shut up. She said, I just want to come here and experience church. I don't want you to tell anybody that you're a minister. I sat on the third row right back there, and they had like 85 people come and shake my hand. I looked at my wife when we got in the car. I said, I believe this is the place where we need to be. We came for four or five more weeks. I said, this is the place. I got plugged in with production upstairs, ran production for a while. And I became Pastor Mark's armor bearer. And here I am. Pastor Mark has been the only person to ever break Tim Huggins's hardness shell. Because see, when you're a cop, you have to be hard. You have to be selfish because you've got to go home. You've got to look out for you. You've got to go home. And some things you say, some things the way you act is just horrible. So for those first year I was out of church, I was sleeping through the best years of my Christianity. And it wasn't until I realized when I got here that if I would just be who God created me to be, And just speak the way he told me to speak. See, when I was 15 years old, God told me, he said, I'm calling you to speak to this generation. He said, you're going to do it in unconventional ways. You're going to speak in an unconventional way. You're going to do ministry in an unconventional way. And people are going to look at you and you're not going to fit in everywhere you go. You're going to be the weird guy when you walk in sometimes. But I'm going to give you a heart and a passion after this generation 
that will never cease. See, in that year of slumber, when I wouldn't want to come to church, my wife prayed. My wife cried. My wife would put on preaching on TV, even though she doesn't like TV evangelists. She would put on TV preaching to get me to hear the word of God. I was sleeping through the best years of my life, in my Christian life. And it wasn't until I realized if I would just have the audacity to be who he created me to be, that I can stand in front of any giant and kill it. But this morning, on this weekend holiday, you're sitting looking at me, saying, well, you're a preacher and you're on stage and you have a microphone, it's easy. I want to be comfortable in my chair. But we allow past experiences, people's words, comments, looks, to control what we do to not kill the giant that's standing in front of us. That's why I tell you this morning that when you pull the stone out, let it stay, let it say joy, because some of you are so depressed. No one knows it. No one knows that you're depressed. No one knows that you're battling depression. But my God gives you joy. See, some of you feel worthless and you feel alone. Pull out the stone that says worthy. Because even when you were told that you were not worth anything and you were a mistake and you won't amount to anything and you won't make it and you won't never kill the giant that's in front of you, you're not eloquent enough. You don't do good enough work. Just go sit on the back row and just keep your mouth shut. I tell you to pull out the stone that says worthy because you are worthy in my God. Some of you are saying, Pastor Tim, my marriage is falling apart and I don't know which way to turn. Pull out the stone that says peace. Because his peace passes all understanding. See, David was bold enough in his audacity to walk through a crowd of an army of Israel that was mocking him and making fun of him. He was willing to walk through it. Regardless of what they said, their looks, their attitude, their words, he walked through it. He grabbed his stones. He grabbed his satchel, put his stones in his bag. And when Goliath said, come at me, little boy, let's go. I got you. I'm going to kill you right now, and I'm going to feed you to the birds. David said, I don't got you in my strength. I don't got you in my ability. Yeah, I may have killed a lion and a bear, but I don't got you in my strength. I'm going to kill you in the name of the Lord. Goliath was sitting down the entire time that David was talking to him, showed him disrespect. He had enough. Stood up. I believe his mockery turned to anger, and he stood up and said, I'm done. I'm going to kill this kid. I'm not going to mess with it anymore begins to walk towards David. And David didn't hesitate. David didn't think for a split moment, well, if I don't pull out the rock correctly and put it in my sling, then his sword's going to hit me. He didn't think. He just ran as fast as he could. See, the Bible says towards the army of the Philistines. Didn't even mention him running directly toward Goliath. He was running at the entire army. Because he knew that who he was in Christ, who he was in God, was going to take care of that giant that was standing in front of him. 
as he's running full speed like the movie Troy. He's running full speed, running full speed. He has his hand in his bag. He pulls out a rock. He puts it in his sling. He slings it around and bam, kills the giant. On the flip side of that, a lot of times as Christians, we put our hands in our bag and we run towards the giant, but it's kind of like the, the chicken with the car. You're like, you know, you play chicken with cars, you go forward and you run as fast as you can in a giant and the last second you run off and you run like a little, car- little, little scaredy cat. We don't pull out the rocks. We don't use the training that we've been given. We don't use the word of the Lord that we've been given. We don't use any of these things because we're just too afraid that the joy is not going to work, that the worthy is not going to work and the overcoming is not going to work. We're too afraid that if we actually stand up and do something that we're going to fall flat on our face. I fell flat on my face from 2009 to the middle of 2010. See, as a cop, I worked Murkison Road, the top end of Murkison Road bottom end of Ramsey Street, top end of Ramsey Street. If you know anything about Fable, that's the worst area in Fable. That's where area I worked. See, before I worked in a small town called Hope Mills. Nothing ever happened in Hope Mills except for me sleeping. Then I got to Fable. It was a whole other ball game. November 2nd, 2009, I was hired on and from that moment until I got to this place here, I slept in my Christian life. I used words that I never used in my entire life. I acted in manners that I've never acted in my entire life. I did things in, out there on the street that I never thought I would ever do in my, a million years. When I say that, I mean see things. See things that I never thought I would ever see. See babies killed and people shot and blood everywhere. Never think I would see on a Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving night. I know we have children, but I have to be real. Thanksgiving night, a, a guy walking to an apartment complex over off of Rose Hill Road and shooting his children's mother and her cousin with the babies in, his, in, his, in her arms. Seeing things like that jack you up. My military people, you understand. You've seen a lot worse than I have. But you understand it jacks you up. And from 2009 to 2010 and a half, I was sleeping through the best years of my life because I was thinking this is normal. This is normal. God, where are you at? Why don't you show up in a situation like that? Why do I have to see a three-week-old baby having CPR done on it? Why do I have to see that? He said, Tim, the reason why you have to see it is because the giant's coming and you have to be able to kill the Goliath. I said, God, that doesn't make any sense. He said, because when I take you to where I want you, you're going to deal with people that have seen the same stuff, that have been through the same things, and I've created you for this purpose to be able to minister to them. Life's not always easy. Life is hard sometimes. I could have let those rocks of depression, those rocks of fear, those rocks of maybe never going home, I could have let those rocks ruin my life. But I said, you know what? I'm going to grab the rock of joy. I'm going to grab the rock of overcoming. I'm going to grab the rock of being worthy. And I'm going to stand on the stage one day. I told Nicole that I'm going to stand on the stage one day and I'm going to preach. I'm holding you back from living the audacity lifestyle. 
asking God for the impossible. I just told you I've been through it. I've dealt with all of that in my entire life. I have dealt with it. But I stand on this stage to you this afternoon saying that if you allow God to come in, nothing can stand against you. Amen? You stand to your feet. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us on our internet campus today. We'd love to hear how this message blessed you. You can send an email to admin at yourepicenter.com. You also have the ability to donate to this ministry if you go to www.yourepicenter.com. Again, thank you for joining us and have a wonderful day.